Hi, and welcome to Every Romcom Now Streaming for the week of March 8th through the 15th, 2021. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Jen and I will be giving you some streaming recommendations as well as letting you know where you can find some of the movies from recent and upcoming episodes of the podcast. We'd also like to let you know that you can now follow the podcast on social media. Our Facebook page is Every Romcom Podcast and Blog. Our Instagram is at Every Romcom. And our Twitter handle is at everyromcompod. And as always, you can find the podcast at everyromcom.com. Send us your feedback at feedback at everyromcom.com. And if you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts so you never miss an episode. Now for the week of March 8th through the 15th, we'll let you know what's streaming. First, here's where you can find some of the movies we've covered on the podcast. On our first episode, we covered Moonstruck, which is still available on the Roku channel. The half of it is still available on Netflix. And 10 Things I Hate About You is still available on Disney+. Some of the other movies we've covered on the podcast, including Longshot, Clueless, and Bride and Prejudice, can be rented from several streaming sites or from your local library. And here's where you can find the movies we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. On Thursday, we'll be releasing our new episode on She's the Man, which you can find on True TV, TNT, and TBS. And in two weeks, we'll be releasing our episode on How Stella Got Her Groove Back, which you can find on the Roku channel. At the end of most episodes, you'll find recommendations for movies to watch as a double feature with the movie we're discussing. Check previous editions of Now Streaming to find double feature recommendations for our past films. Here are some double feature recommendations for last week's film, 10 Things I Hate About You. So I'm going to preface this by saying not one of my double feature picks was available on a streaming site right now for 10 Things I Hate About You, but many of Sophia's picks were. So these are all Sophia's picks for double features. Can't Hardly Wait, Netflix. Never Been Kissed is available on Disney Plus and Stars. The Prince and Me, Netflix. And Sophia also chose a few other movies from the great film year of 1999. October Sky is available on Showtime. And The Virgin Suicides is available on Prime, CBS All Access, Canopy, and the Roku channel. Now we'll get into our recommendations from rom-coms and rom-com adjacent movies and TV shows that are streaming right now. So last week and next week, we've been covering modernizations of Shakespeare. So my first pick, I decided to go with just a regular old Shakespeare adaptation. A couple of my favorites are not available right now. So other Shakespeare adaptations I like include Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet and Prospero's Books, which is a wild adaptation of The Tempest by Peter Greenaway. But those aren't available. So I went with another classic, Much Ado About Nothing, from 1993, directed by Kenneth Branagh and starring Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson. And this is just, this is a classic for a reason. Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson, they just have such good chemistry in the film as Beatrice and Benedict. They kind of define the roles, in my opinion. The supporting cast is also really good. It's got Robert Sean Leonard, Kate Beckinsale, Denzel Washington, and Michael Keaton. And some people like that Keanu Reeves is in it. I thought it was one of his like kind of bad roles. He's always a little awkward in my opinion in period pieces, but if you like watching Keanu Reeves, he is also in it. (laughs) And another great thing about this movie is the production design and the cinematography and the costume design. They're all conspiring to just give you this feeling that you're in this really sensuous, like Italian countryside. You're really primed for this romantic story. And even though the B story, like in this, in the play with Hero and Claudio is kind of dated, 
Beatrice and Benedict's story is just so good. Like I just, you can forget that story and just appreciate their witty dialogue and their back and forth. I also love that film. Oh, and I don't think I even told where it's available right now. Sorry. Much Ado About Nothing is currently available on the Roku channel, Tubi and Pluto TV. So check it out. Wonderful. So my first pick is a TV series called Greek on Netflix, which originally aired from 2007 to 2011. It's a show about a nerdy polymer science major freshman who wants to rush a fraternity because his sister is like a queen bee in a fraternity on campus. And he hopes to change his nerdy persona so he can be more like his sis and, you know, kind of come out of his nerdy land. And I will tell you straight up that it is a coming of age story with a bunch of romance and love and fraternity stuff. It's also college It ages pretty well. As I started watching it again, I was surprised by how well it aged. I really enjoy the fraternity rivalries, the growing up, and you know, people trying to kind of figure it all out in college. At the time I first watched this, I really appreciated that they were gay frat guys. And those gay frat guys aged well, even into this modern era. Not a huge batch of kind of named stars, but you will see a bunch of character actors that you'll be like, I recognize those people still to this day. And some Mm. B-list faces that you will still remember as well. Excellent soap and a lot of soap without the snark that I see now and like the gossip girls and stuff. So you can enjoy the comedy of it without being like, ooh, cringy, icky. I don't really like that. Just lots of love, relationship, drama without the kind of Grey's Anatomy sadness that I've kind of not wanted to see in the last year. So who really studies in college? Nobody. <laughs> You're just apparently just hanging out, going to frat parties, at least according to Greek, the TV show. So my second pick is a long way away from a frat. It's Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which was a 2019 film, which is currently available on Hulu. And I say it's a long way away from a frat because there's barely a man that shows up in the entire movie. I think somebody like is in a rowboat at one point rowing someone. It's not a comedy at all, but it's a very romantic movie. It is by a woman writer-director, Celine Sciamma. And she won Best Screenplay for this film at Cannes. And it was also up for the Palme d'Or. It was in nomination for that. And Portrait of a Lady on Fire is a period piece. It is set in France, um, in the coastal area of Brittany in the late 1700s. The two women in the story, one of them named Heloise, is betrothed to somebody she's never met. And her mother is trying to get her portrait taken, her portrait painted, And she won't sit for the portrait because she doesn't want this marriage to happen. But the mother invites Marianne to come and she's a female painter. And she's supposed to pose as Heloise's companion and kind of memorize her features during the day so she can paint her at night. And Marianne eventually feels uncomfortable with this situation and a relationship begins to develop between the two. And it is just a gorgeous movie. There's such beautiful imagery in the movie like very evocative images you'll remember and scenery. And it's very emotional. Like it definitely left me with a lasting impression. I don't think you should watch this if you want to feel cheerful, but it's just very beautiful. So highly recommend. I also love that movie. So I think it's a wonderful pick. So my second pick is also very feminist and it's a series called Ginny and Georgia, which just dropped on Netflix a few weeks ago. It is my favorite new obsession, guys. It's all women all the time. It's women written, acted, produced, directed, and it's a bunch of powerful women. 
So I want to talk about it passing the Bechdel test. It's so many women. It's all about women. It's driven by women. This is a story just pushing ladies and women empowerment, but it's still very kind of soapy at times. It's about Georgia, a mom who was pregnant at 15, and her daughter, Ginny, who is the primary storyteller of the show, and how their relationship together is seen through Ginny's eyes. But at the same time, you see Georgia, which is her mother, through her memories. It's Hmm. very powerful. It's some of the best storytelling I've seen on TV in a really long time. And especially about mother and daughter, and also just what it's like to grow up as a teenager these days. And I'm not a teenager in any way. But I deal with them. And I find that this is the most evocative, like truth telling I've ever seen. The writing is so good. I really appreciate good writing on TV. And this is, this has lines that I would want to repeat back to my friends. It's stuff that I Mm -hmm. find that I write down. I'm like, wow, that is a damn good line. So I dare you not to write down stuff. It's that good. (laughs) There are so many issues. And I I find that good TV brings up issues. It's got... Uh, BIPOC, like consent, female orgasm, death of a friend. And I'm just getting to the last episode right now. And I was like, wow, I, they're throwing me more issues. So the creator, Sarah Lampert, she herself was a teenager and she wanted to make sure that she really grounded it in reality. And I have found that for me, when I was watching it, it acknowledges so much of that. If you are a teen or if you've ever had, you know, teenage issues, you'll bring it up. But in real ways, not just like in the, oh, hey, this is, you know, pretend. Uh, And then I just want to talk about uh, women hating on women. There is some stuff going on that they're in the very last episode, there's a line, they offhandedly diss Taylor Swift. And apparently, because the Taylor Swift posse, her fans, they were affronted by this, they're now going and they're writing bad reviews about this show. So give it your own check. I'm giving it my seal of approval. And you decide as a feminist, if you would like to promote a show that's about female empowerment and written and produced and directed by women. Cool. I've seen the promos for that and I've been curious about it. So it's good to hear that it's a good show. Yeah. Yeah. So my third pick was actually inspired by following the hashtag romcom bracket, which is on Twitter right now. And that's where you can vote on brackets of romcoms and choose like what will be the ultimate winner of this bracket. And it's this hashtag was created by Bianca Hernandez Knight. And I just discovered her. She has a site called bookhoarding.wordpress.com. And she does a lot of stuff with the Regency period with costuming, with uh, diversity in like romance spaces. So it's very interesting, uh, a Twitter account as well. But if you want to vote on some rom-coms, go to hashtag rom-com bracket. Anyway, during the rom-com bracket voting, Chasing Amy was up against While You Were Sleeping at one point. And Kevin Smith somehow found out about this and retweeted the poll for Chasing Amy. And Chasing Amy ended up crushing While You Were Sleeping, which caused an immense amount of dismay in some Sandra Bullock fans. Now, me personally, I love Chasing Amy. So Chasing Amy, was I was reminded of it and it became my third pick for this week. It's on HBO Max right now. And I think Chasing Amy, which was released in 1997, is one of those ultimate Gen X rom-coms. Because if you watch it, I think you will get a real feeling of what the zeitgeist of kind of like, kind of edgy people actually was in 1997. Like it was kind of a progressive film for its time. I think now a lot of people would find certain aspects of it problematic. But like, 
this this was like the cutting edge of like accepting all kinds of different people at the time. And I think like it's worth kind of going back and finding out what life was like. I love Chasing Amy for so many reasons. One of the reasons I love it is because it's just very weird and complicated. The relationships in this movie are not at all predictable. I don't think you can predict the ending. I don't think you can even predict the middle necessarily. I'm So I'm going to try not to spoil it too much. But the the couple in this movie has such great chemistry. Uh, ben Affleck is one of the stars. And I think it's probably the best work he's ever done. Mm. Like just the shades of emotion he has to show in this movie are just all over the place. And it's got some really great writing, some really great dialogue. I found it to be a very believable romance, despite like just weird twists and turns happening. And one of the thing, other things I love about this movie is Kevin Smith movies are all, always very referential to like other films. There's like a whole sequence where they redo the Jaws showing off your scars scene, except they make it about showing off your sex scars, like scars that you got during like making out or having sex. And I thought it was so clever and awesome. And yeah, I just, it's, it's a great movie. It's set in the world of comic artists and graphic novelists. So you get like cool scenes like at conventions or with people like doing their art. And yeah, I just love it all around. I'm really glad I was reminded of it. So check Chasing Amy out on HBO Max and also get on over to hashtag romcom bracket on Twitter if you want to be involved in the voting. It's super fun. Yeah, thanks for pointing that one out, Jen. So my third pick is Romance as a Book, which is on Netflix. It is a Korean dramedy series. If you are a fan of the TV show Younger, streaming on Hulu and originally airing on TV Land, it's based on that series. So it is the original series of the TV Younger. And I know a lot of people watch Younger. It is set in the Korean publishing world. It's starring Lee Na Young and Lee Jong Suk, both fairly big stars in their countries. So the acting is stellar, if a bit goofy at times, which is often the nature of Korean comedy. The romance in this series is super sweet, like candy sweet. It starts as a star-crossed kind of lover lover thing, and it's just rooted in kind of a friendship that turns into more. There's a lot of Korean food, beautiful scenery and fashion. My favorite part is that there's a lot of book porn. And if you love books, you can enjoy it. It seems that Korea is all about books. So there's a lot of paper and art and texture. And if you're a book reader like me, you can really enjoy those storylines. Yeah, I can confirm since I lived in Korea for a while, Korea does love books and stationery and paper. And you're making me really want to watch this show because it's making me feel nostalgic for the time I spent in Korea. So awesome. My fourth pick uh, kind of goes along with Chasing Amy. After I thought about Chasing Amy, I was thinking about what are some other Gen X rom-coms. And I came up immediately with Reality Bites, which was made in 1994, which is currently available on Showtime. So I feel like there's going to be a series of, on Gen X rom-coms sometime mm. in the future here at everyromcom.com. Mm. So if you have any suggestions for Gen X rom-coms, please like write in with those. I would love to hear what your idea of what a Gen X rom-com would be. I love Reality Bites, uh, again, for so many reasons. It's very well written. It is Ben Stiller's first feature film, and he's also one of the main cast. Uh, his first feature film is director, and it stars Ethan Hawke and Winona Ryder. And I feel like Ethan Hawke and Winona Ryder are just like a dream rom-com couple. They seem like they're not acting together. They seem like they just are together in a weird way. Uh, that doesn't happen with a lot of rom-com couples for me. 
And they have this amazing chemistry as friends who have a lot of sexual tension. So they're like always like on the border of either like making out or having a huge fight with each other. And I love that dynamic. <laughs> and and the friend characters, their friend and roommate characters are also just great actors. You have Janine Garofalo as Winona Ryder's kind of uh, like pop culture, uh, cynical sometimes friend, but she's also very practical. Janine Garofalo is great in this and Steve Zahn plays the gay roommate and at the time in 1994 that was like a big deal to just have one of the main ensemble of a film like this just be gay and there's a whole story about him coming out to his parents it within the movie which is great there's a lot of also commentary in this movie on the early days of reality tv which they we were in the middle of at that point it's the main character Lelena. she's actually shooting kind of a documentary about her friends and she's trying to make it more authentic than the reality tv of that time with the quick edits and everything but it's it's kind of cool to see what people thought of reality tv during its inception period and the soundtrack to this movie is one of my favorites um just great use of the music in the movie it's the way younger people relate to music and like incorporated into every aspect of their life my favorite scene and a lot of people's favorite scene is they're in a gas station and the song My Sharona starts playing and they all start dancing and going crazy in the gas station. And it just like reminds me of being young and just not being afraid to kind of be silly in public and, you know, not care what the adults think. So, yeah, Reality Bites, once again, currently on Showtime. Yeah, great film. And I don't know anybody who didn't have that soundtrack when they were growing up in that era. Mm. So my fourth pick is Workin' Moms, which is on Netflix. It was created by Katherine Reitman, who's a genius. And it's about working mothers in the modern era. Uh, this is just a funny show. I don't have kids. I've never wanted kids. But the writing makes me laugh out loud with tears coming out of my, my eyeballs <laughs> because it is just that funny. It's Canadian, so you can enjoy some beautiful scenery. And especially in this day and era, you know, we all need some pretty scenery sometimes. It's not our house. There is an, ep an episode that is especially funny. It's about moms trying to get away and drop acid. And that <laughs> that is the kind of show that it is. I'm just saying it is a highlight episode. So if you're watching nothing else, find that one. It is a very fast watch. You will zoom through it. You can do something else while you watch it. Though there is a lot of physical comedy, I found that I could kind of like do my taxes and stuff to it. And it is that season. So totally fun to watch. I highly recommend it. Nice. And I think we actually have a lot of moms in the audience. So that's a great pick. Like And like, let us know what you think about all the picks. Yeah. So if you like what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts. And you can also drop us a line at feedback at everyromcom.com. We'd really love to hear what you're streaming and loving these days. And we'll be releasing our new episode Thursday on She's the Man with Amanda Bynes and Channing Tatum. So keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, hope everyone is doing great. See you next time. Happy streaming. Happy streaming.